What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. I hope none of you got trampled in the bull stampede on Friday. It just didn't stop, even in the after hours. But it looks like the ranchers are coming in. We got some resistance above. We'll talk about it. Big level to get through. Even makes me a little bit cautious on the market. Especially with some jobs numbers coming out at the end of the week. We got earnings, most of the earnings out of the way, but we still got some big guns coming up this week. Let's get started here on this Monday morning. Hope we don't scare you. Boo! Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. All right, good morning, traders and investors around the world. Uh, back home, not in Ann Arbor, Michigan, but great game on Saturday. We won't talk about the melee in the locker room afterwards, but let's get to the markets. And it got crazy in the after hours, went to up to 24 and a quarter. I hope Triple D was hitting bids then. Uh, we're down. We're down 18 handles here at 93 and a quarter, back under 3,900. We'll make that the battle area for today. Uh, you have the dollar up 43 cents, uh, you know, a little bit of a rebound. TLT, they're not calling for a Fed pivot yet. Down 34 cents, 96.46. Uh, crude, crude's just doing his own thing. Oil stocks are doing something different, but crude's down a buck 68 at 86.22. Gold trying to stay in the 1600 handle, down two bucks at 1642.90. Silver, that's down a couple pennies at 19.12. Bitcoin futures are up 100 bucks at 20,078. Trying to get trying to get a bid here over 21k and Ethereum futures. They're up 60 bucks at $1,622. Let me bring in Triple D and Money Mitch and Triple D. What they Lily, it was silly time in the after hours on uh on Friday. I mean, they just kept bidded and bidded and bidded. And yeah. the only thing that closed it was the uh was the 5 p.m. bell. Yeah, well, and then they stay open on the stocks for three more hours after that. So it was a nonstop bid Friday night after hours. I mean, you've got this follow-through happening. We've been talking about the buy the dip mentality, which is fully on. We saw it Friday morning, right from the opening bell. Stocks were down just slightly, and then they just started ripping them. Um, you know, is the low end, there's a low end, there's no doubt about it, is the low end, that's impossible to tell. Um, I still think we're in the buy the dip market, though, so as a trader, I'm buying dips. 
Well, this is not much of a dip overnight, considering that the, the rally that we had. We're down. We're down twenty handles, and we got some big data. Uh, Mitch, watch a preview. We got some. We're, we're kind of data heavy, but it's more towards the end of the week. Yeah, definitely going to be focused on the jobs number this week. We got September construction numbers coming. We'll get initial jobless claims. But of course, a lot of the eyes will be on the FOMC meeting this week, right? And uh, the question to ask, I think everyone's kind of leaning towards this, but will the Fed signal a pause in the near future? I say no. absolutely not. No. I mean, this is ridiculous. Is, to think isn't that this pivoting. what this rally is on? It, it is. I, I, but I, I think the rally is just on more. And again, take us back. Let's go just back to where it all started. It started on that CPI day when the data came in hot and we tanked, you know, the 100 S&P points, Joel, in about 100 seconds on that 830 number. It was a mess. I came on and I was like, I cannot believe we are still hot on these numbers. And Mitch called it. Mitch said, is this the capitulatory bottom? You know, he just threw the question out there. And I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, I don't know at this point in time. And it ended up being the short-term capitulatory bottom. We can tell because hindsight capital is 2020, and we are obviously up significantly from that. Are we going to have more capitulation and more selling off after? Maybe. But, you know, if you look back, that was a wicked sell-off in that 10-minute period. They sold stocks. You know, if you just go down and look at all, I mean, Square made it slow that day. Everything made it slow that day. They were way oversold. So we've turned around since then. But, Mitch, you, you know, you called it, and then you didn't really get fully off the bear train. You're still on the bear train, <laughs> yeah. still thinking that it's going to come back down to those levels eventually. And it's I'm tough. mixed. I've stayed market neutral. The evidence tells me to sell. But the tape tells me to buy. And that's where I'm like, you kind of got to go short-term trading with the tape. Yeah. Dip it, buying is just being rewarded ever since that CPI day. Definitely. I mean, you're definitely right about that. And I mean, if you've been playing towards the short-term momentum, towards the upside, I'm sure you're loving this recent price action. Now, the question will remain, right? Will Jerome Powell even mention that there could be a pause in the hike rates in the near future. Goldman Sachs thinks that at least for right now, the 50 basis points is kind of what's going to be talked about for December. I'll talk about what they put out a note today. Goldman Sachs expects the Fed rate to peak at 5%. Now calling for 50 basis points in December, a 25 basis point hike in February, and then another 25 basis point hike rate in March. I think that's what, and Tom Vigor just made a good uh, comment. So maybe the pace of the rates going up is going to be, is going to decline. And we haven't seen that. I mean, first of all, like total pivot, like total stop raising rates, lowering rates. I mean, 23, first half of 23, second half of 23, 24, who knows? First, they have to stop going up as fast. Okay. Then they have to stop going up. Then they have to stabilize, and then uh, you know who knows if and when they're ever going to come down again. But uh, uh, you know the it, market just seems to be getting way ahead of itself. I mean, you could be bullish, you could be bearish, but I just think the expectations that all these things are going to happen so instant. I just think the market is just getting way too optimistic here. They're optimistic. I mean, let's look at last week. Let's look at the earnings that we got from the big guns. Yeah. I mean, how? I mean, Dennis, you were called. You were looking for a bad Q3 earnings season from you know some of the big players, <laughs> and you got it. And look, look at the market did. It's this um, was what I tweeted very... last week. I mean, go and Mitch, you could bring up my tweet if you want. If you want to go hunt in the background, but I tweeted it out. I was just giving the evidence. I was like, Microsoft down. I think it was fifteen percent. Amazon down twenty percent. Meta down twenty five percent. Apple was down, but then obviously turned it around. Um, and Google down 7 or 8%. And in that same time period from last week, Joel, S&P's up like 3%. I'm like, if you would tell me, you know, that Microsoft's going to fall 15%, and Google was going to fall 10%, Meta was going to fall 25%, and Amazon was going to fall at one point in time 25%, and the market was going to be up, I'd say you're nuts. But that's exactly what we have saw is the rotation into low multiple stocks has just 
lifted this market. I mean, look at Gilead. We talked oh, about Gilead I at seventy dollars. It's eighty two days I can't later. Believe that low I key e stocks rip it. This is we called this one. I mean, we don't oh. call them all, but we called this one. I'm so annoyed at this one because <laughs> I literally been I've been looking at this monthly chart for the last like two months, and I'm like, man, this looks so good. This looks so good technically. And then I I got out of this one with all like the well the, the earnings that was out so there, scary. and then all of a sudden now it's just looking pretty pretty in healthcare, which a lot of these major drug manufacturers looking good. Pfizer later this week, so who knows. I mean, you've got all-time highs from Eli Lilly. You got Merck sitting near all-time highs. You got to go back 20 years. You'll find that 105 20 years ago. It's coming back though from where it was 20 years ago. Again, shows you don't pay 45, 50 times earnings because eventually they can grow into those multiples, but the stocks don't keep going up. Um, I mean, you just go across the board and all the healthcare stocks are all near all-time highs. You can grab XLV if you want to. Obviously, full of them too. Not far from all-time highs. We know what's been driving this market. We said the market's on drugs. The market's on low multiple stocks. That's really what continues to drive the market. So does the rotation, I mean, if we're going to have, you know, earnings disappointments, but they're just going to buy other stocks, it's more evidence that you don't want to be short stocks right now. That is true right now. It seems like the path of least resistance is definitely towards the upside. Um, we are starting to get a little bit of worrying in wheat prices as they're jumping and Russia announcing Saturday that it's suspending its involvement in the Black Sea Grain Initiative that was brokered in July, which allowed agricultural products to be exported from several Ukrainian ports. So Russia putting on the squeeze back on on Ukraine there for their grains uh, to try to be exported out. Looks like they're still being able to get out some ships, but they're starting to be concerned that Russia will start attacking um, ships that are getting the grains out. Yeah, I, I don't have much to say on that trade. That's getting above my pay grade to try to figure it all out. I do see, you know, you've got some of the fertilizer companies that are trading up higher here this morning. I do see Archer Daniel Midland. I have a long position, that full disclosure of just an overnight trade. Um, NTR is trading up. It's a mixed market here again. I know you come in here and you think we're down 20 handles. Everything's getting killed. It's not the case once again. I see a lot of stocks trading higher. I see the casinos, obviously, the win deal here. Yeah, let's win, go to that. that the win, go to, yeah, the yeah. win news here is a driver for the casinos here this morning. They're trading higher. But I see a lot of other stocks trading higher here too. I mean, it's it's the tale of yeah, this, this market where we were a month ago where everything was moving together is definitely no longer the case. You now have separation. You have stock picking. You have correlations breaking down all over the place here, which is getting to more normalized markets, which is a good thing. But let's go to that wind news. We talked about it. It's the big mover of the day. Obviously, there's not a lot of earnings, but WYNN trading up 6%. Mitch, what is going on? All right. Looks like Tillman Fatida is adding to his stake. Of course, he has multiple companies that have a stake in Wynn Resorts. Hospitality headquarters increasing here. Um, also had Fertitta Entertainment. Altogether, it's a 6.1% passive stake in Wynn Resorts. So getting the lift there. My only concern is that there is some COVID lockdowns in China. And last time this stock popped, you can see it on the top right uh, chart that Joel has. That's that pop you see right there. That was shortly lived, of course. Why? Because lockdowns came back for Macau. Oh, Joel, I don't even know. <laughs> when, when has been such a tough stock? Because you look at where this thing has come from. It was $200 back in 2018. And then obviously, you know, COVID it got down to 35 And then we had the rally where everybody was going back to normal and everything was going to, casinos were packed. We're going back. And that was the end of 2021 when everything just got overdone, 143 Come all the way down to 58. I've been long it a couple of times in swing trades. I actually have one good trade on it, then one bad trade on it from a swing trading perspective. Um, you're not far from the lows at 56. You know, if you look where it was, 50 or $50, I guess, was the low of July. So you're 12 bucks off of it. I mean, it's beat up. It's a value name. It's the kind of stock that people want right now. Kind of wish I would have looked at it Friday because we'd already be getting immediate gratification off this deal, but hard to chase. You know what knocked this stock off its keister in 2018? You remember? Was was it the problems with Steve Wynn? Yeah, exactly. 
Yep. Yep. And he sold his stock. And I mean, these, I mean, these can see, I mean, other factors, but that was like pre, pre COVID. Uh, Tillman's talking his book here, right? Cause he own he owns a lot of, a lot of stuff. So this is, you know, this is the industry that's in. He's a billionaire. He's, he owns the Houston Rockets. So he's adding, you know, he's adding to his position. It's getting bumped up. I, I wish I could give you a level here and win. Uh, there's really not one, not a good one where I could, you know, say with a lot of confidence, like, Hey, you know, lean on this number. So what yeah. I'll do is I'll go to my data window and I'll just say, you got the pre-market high, a pre-market high is 6248. It's keep that eye as a target and look for a continuation move. And I could see this thing getting to silly town. And I think silly town for this would be, I'd be all out there at 6390 because uh, 6398, was your high on October 11th coming back on the downside. I mean, tune in to your, your shorter term charts and try and uh, try and find a place to buy it longer term. I'd look, if I want to own this stock, I'd look for it to come in in under 60, maybe 58 and a half to try along, but uh, no, no idea where to buy this. Soon. Well, it isn't happening in wind resorts right now, but in China right now, they're still Ooh. having issues with lockdown. And it looks like in Disney Park, Shanghai Disney Resorts uh, going through some struggles right now. Shanghai Disney Report aport, uh, abruptly suspended operations on Monday to comply with COVID-19 prevention measures with all visitors at the time of the announcement directed to stay inside the park until they return a negative test for the That's virus. Insane. Anyone that has visited the park since October 27th would also need to test for COVID-19 three times in three days, it said. And so just showing you more and more how stringent the COVID-19 uh, kind of policies are in China right now. And I don't know about you guys, but they ain't keeping me in any park. So I don't know how they what are they to give you keep... food or you oh, no, they even Joel. closed down all the restaurants. They closed down all the rides, all the stores. They like pretty much put them in lockdown, like literally that's like go to your room true. kind of thing. I, I can't understand that. I mean, we've all operated with COVID. It's everywhere. <laughs> you know, insane. everybody in all North America knows a couple people that have COVID currently. I mean, my neighbors got COVID. I had it a month ago. You know, it, it's just everywhere everywhere there's no stopping it so i don't understand why china thinks they can still stop it by the lockdowns and doing all this but they continue to try and every time they try the china stocks get hit so i mean here we are again every time you think oh yeah maybe you know that's starting to show some life boom like alibaba washes out back four days ago down to 58 then it gets a nice rally up to 70 and you're like oh they're, maybe they're coming back oh, now you're almost them. all the way back down to those lows again there's so many problems over there. There's so much geopolitical risk. It's still, it, I analyze everything, long-term investing, short-term trading. It's all risk-reward. I cannot assess the risk in China. I've been saying that. It seems like it's unlimited risk over there, so I cannot invest over there. Can I trade over there? Hedged, meaning I'm long Baba, I'm short Baidu, I'm long Pinduo Duo, maybe I'm short JDE. You know, you can do pairs trades, but you got to have that overnight risk. I feel like, just hedge because you don't know overnight all of a sudden boom they go down three percent on you like this and you're like fxi down three percent right now and it's a massive hit so that's the only way i'm playing china is hedged it just it's just hard i mean i don't know how you how you even have those stocks in in the portfolio i know i'd be freaked out it's hard on the long-term stuff i have a little yeah. bit of eem still in the portfolio from a decade ago it's been junk i mean you kept thinking you know, it's going to come back. It's going to be a catch-up trade. I mean, you've had, you know, people on CNBC saying eventually emerging markets are going to turn it around. They, every time they start to show some life, you know, it's more crap. So it's been a 10-year, maybe even further than that now, probably 15-year basically bear market over there. If you compare it relative to the S&P, it's been a serious bear market because S&P has tripled in that time and the EEM has gone down. So, I mean, you know, and that's emerging markets I'm talking about. You look at the FXI, which is direct China. It's way worse story. 2016 FXI 30. Today it's 20. So here you hold for seven years and you lose 30% of your money. Man, just doesn't seem like it's turning around any day. But eventually there will be a tradable bottom. Everything is tradable. But man, the risk over there is 
pretty much unlimited. All right, let's go towards the stock that climbed the wall of worry in their earnings report and shook off everything to have one of their best days since 2020. Of course, none other than Apple. Let's take a look. Um, and it looks like they're getting a report here from Reuters getting put out. iPhones could slump by as much as 30% at one of the world's biggest factories next month due to tightening COVID-19 curbs in China. A person with direct knowledge from the matter said on Monday that Foxconn, of course, is Apple's biggest iPhone maker, producing 70% of the iPhones shipped globally. Um, of course, this makes up 45% of their Taiwanese firm's revenue. And they're saying that there could be some supply issues. Of course, earlier last week, we heard that they were having some lockdown issues, but it wouldn't affect the numbers. Now, a person with direct knowledge stating that this could affect as much as 30% of the supply. The reversal in here was nothing short of incredible. Rotation here, just, you know, they, they hammered every mega cap. They wanted to buy something. I guess they decided Apple was the one. The report was not great. It wasn't bad, but it wasn't great. And they benefited immensely from being the last to report of the big guns because yeah. all the other guns basically warned and basically didn't have very good reports. And this came out and it was okay. And okay is good enough after the bar was set low by Microsoft and Google and Amazon 30 minutes before and Meta. So of the big five, this one here, last to report, benefits immensely from it. So they wanted to hit it. They tried to hit it on the report. And then they're just like, now we're going to buy, buy something. And I, like I said, I took a picture of those Apple stores. They're still busy. The recession has not hit Apple. I think the street, and I think everyone, I haven't dug in the report, and I'm not a CFA, and I'm not Gene Munster, but I think what the street is missing with Apple is it's not so much of subscribe, you know, getting, you know, selling new phones and everything. I think it's more getting out of its ecosystem, you know, getting more out of the people in its ecosystem. And we know how big that is. And I think that you can see maybe declining because like, oh, cell phone, cell phones, Bank America, Bloomberg, everything on that. They come out. And I think that if you have that such a large pool of people and you can still get more revenue from them, then the revenue is going to continue to grow. So um, I'm not so much focused on all this, you know, this iPhone stuff. Eventually, you know, we'll just have one device. I mean, I have a watch. I have you know, AirPods, whatever. So um, it was a big move. You always look for continuation moves. Uh, Triple D, I know you got your head down at 155 yeah. and it's dancing around there right it's now. It's right there. It's I like, know. I can't get away from where I hedged it. <laughs> like my hedge is like a magnet. <laughs> it's been up to 170 and I was like, why did I hedge? And then it was down to 130. I was like, thank goodness I hedged. And now it's back to 155 and I'm, I'm still hedged. I can lift the hedge. I might lift the hedge. I haven't decided. Nah, what I'm I don't. Do. I don't carry to January to. with calls and the puts. I may lift the hedge. I have not decided. Right. Uh, when a stock has a big move, uh, you know, off a report or off, you know, some kind of news, you always like to see what's going to happen the following day, right? Dennis, you mm -hmm. talked famously about the two-day moves and stuff. Yeah. That's just one hell of a move. We're trading down bucko for bad news in China. You know. Um, uh, I, I know we got some bad news in other places too, but boy, just that closing price from Friday, uh, you know, if you've, you've you know, ridden the ups and downs, 175, 135, holding your breath when they knocked it to 136 in the pre-market, uh, I'd be looking at that close at 155.74, kind of up near the high of the day, two other highs in that area. I would be, if I was major bull apple, I would, I really would want to see follow through through today's high, and uh, you know, get back up, start working its way towards 160, because there's still a lot of uncertainty, uh, you know, in the markets, both geopolitically, also economically. Jobs, jobs number on Friday hasn't been moving things as much, uh, but yeah, you want to after a day like that kind of day. You want to you want to see follow through. If not, there'll be a lot of people, a lot of bag holders from 135 to 145 for the, you know that whole period from mid you know mid September to mid October. So that's how I'm looking at double APL. And I think earnings season has calmed down. So uh maybe get Mr. Munster on here because we got we got some things to talk to him about, primarily the metaverse. But uh there's your look at Apple. We'll see what happens in Apple. I'll be looking for a retracement, probably maybe 50 
50% down towards 151. We'll see what happens You'll there. Buyers all over the place if it does that. Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll see if it gets back down there towards that 151 today. All right, let's keep going with some. Uh, looks like we got some uh, majority stake news here. Let's go to Emerson Electric. As uh, this was reported here from Reuters, as Emerson Electric is selling a majority stake here of its unit, of its climate technology unit to Blackstone. Um, this deal is valued at 14 billion overall, but what they're giving is Blackstone a 55% stake in the unit. Emerson will receive an upfront pre-tax cash proceeds of about $9.5 billion while retaining a non-controlling ownership interest. Uh, so Blackstone would own 55% of the stake and, of course, would own the majority. Value stock, kind of stock that's doing very well right now, obviously up substantially from the lows. When we got down to 72, we're now up 90, but you got major resistance you're coming into at this 90. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This thing has been around forever, hasn't it, Dennis? Yeah. I remember. Oh, I've yeah. ever, I've ever traded ticker it. symbols once, I think. Yeah, uh, was it EE? It might yeah, have been I think EE so. at one point. I, think it I remember was. I used to pick on because it, it's a little bit thinner of a stock. I remember we used to pick on this uh, um, in our bright days a little bit. Uh, not that we're not bright now, but back when we were at bright trading, yeah. uh, I just I'm looking at this one and at value Navia. I'm just the monthlies are telling me, you know. Yeah, it's up a buck sixty. It's nice volume. I would just, if I had held this thing for a long time, I'd be looking. I know you said ninety, Dennis, and there is a there is a monthly high at like ninety ninety and a half. But just all those monthly highs there at like ninety one and three quarters, ninety one and a half. That, I mean, that just looks like super resistance to me. So until you could clear that, let's call it ninety one and three quarters because it splits a lot of uh, a lot of highs going all the way back to May. So it's up on light volume. I, I don't understand the deal. They're getting out. They're selling something. I don't know. Does it, does it, re not running out to buy Emerson Electric because they're, I uh, hate chasing stocks. Yeah. Um, and then who, Blackstone, right? Is, uh, I don't know. This whole, uh, climate thing. I don't know how well that's worked Again, out. Again, so. value stocks are back in favor. Stocks like Blackstone. I mean, you know, even when I'm buying, I'm buying low PE stuff. 6.48% dividend on a Blackstone. I don't Ooh. know what the PE is, but it's low. Um, you know, it's been a rough environment, investing environment. So it does hit some of these companies for that reason. And obviously, stock is off from the highs. But right now, I wouldn't argue if you're buying a stock like Blackstone because it's lower, it's higher. And again, dividend's not bad at 6.48% in this environment. But the lower PE stuff is just finding bids. All right, I mean, that's all going. what it's all about. You know, real my trading is all about pattern recognition. I start to realize what are they kind of buying here? What are they gravitating to? And you know, and we try to talk about that on the pre-market prep show. But you know, it's why I'm looking at Gilead, you know, last week. It's why I was looking you know, at different stocks. I mean, it's why I bought Bank of Nova Scotia. I mean, Bank of Nova Scotia P is like eight. Some of the banks have already run. You know, so I'm looking at that and saying, Well, you know, maybe it's its time. So and, and it doesn't always work out. They don't all work out. But if you can identify those patterns before the next guy, 
that's how you make money in trading. It's not Sell short it. squeezes. It's not, you know, like all these people that are like, this is a short squeeze candidate. I mean, people read Twitter and all the junk on social media so much. You know, they're like, oh, look at the short interest in this one. This one's going to go up. I mean, that is the worst analysis possible because you know why stocks have high short interest? Because they're crappy companies. That's why. So when you're buying stocks for a short interest, you're trying to get the timing perfect. Meanwhile, the company is burning cash in a lot of cases, and a lot of these companies are ending up going bankrupt. And you're trying to grab a little, the little pop on the potential short squeeze that might exist. I mean, 2020 taught people, oh, you buy a high stock with high short interest, you make money. Well, 2022 has been the opposite. The stocks with high short interest have all got killed. Those social media accounts that are just pumping short interest all the time, I mean, I think a lot of those people, maybe some of them are pumping dumpers. I don't know what they're doing. But all I know is if you're investing and trading just on short interest, you're doing it all wrong. What about all those popular guys that were on Twitter? What was the name of that one group that was super popular (laughs) and had all the guys? We haven't mentioned... I can't we remember. never talk about those guys or any Wall of that Street stuff. bets, man. Come we on. Did, we did though. Yeah, we did talk about it. Yeah, no, we did. We did, time, we did talk sure. about it. They they were yeah. they were a presence in the market. It was it was definitely. Um but uh yeah, That's when and, retail had the Kool-Aid. There's no more Kool-Aid out there no more. The Kool-Aid is all gone. It was spiked by the Fed. As soon as the Fed stopped spiking the punch bowl, you had to hit the exit button. And yep. that was it. The Fed stopped spiking the punch bowl. Almost a year ago here now, stocks have been straight down since. Eventually, the Fed will start spiking the punch bowl again. Don't kid yourself. It will happen, but it's not happening at this next Fed meeting. If you see Powell dipping over the punch bowl, you know, let me know. Uh, I want to catch that. Uh, Let's go towards the next uh, headline here. We'll go to Wallbox, WBX, as they opening their first North American factory in Arlington, Texas. And the reason why we're bringing up this stock, it's a smaller stock, but one of the things is the charging station, right? The infrastructure that is going to get set for EVs. This is designed to produce over 250,000 units in 2022 and over a million in in 2030. Uh, the 130,000 square foot factory would manufacture all of the company's chargers in the U.S., Wallbox's 70 million investment in Arlington factory would support approximately 700 local jobs by 2030. I don't WBX. know anything about this company. I've actually never traded it's like it before. like a charge point if you would want to compare it or maybe EVgo. So maybe look at those stocks and use them for your leaders. I mean, all these stocks are in consolidation station. Does EV story get hot again? Definitely at some point in time. Mm-hmm. I don't know when that is, though. I don't want to try to time that. Because, you know, I'm long the Fisker. It's the only play that I've really got in these small EV plays. And it's been a disaster. I bought it $9.30. I think it's $7.75. So, obviously, we had some good trades off of that in 2020, 2021. Kind of thought, like, maybe the EV store is getting hot back there in September. And, you know, it did get a little lift back up over 10 bucks, And it's been cold ever since. So, I don't know when the EV story starts to get hot again. Maybe it's now. Maybe it is going to start to get hot again. It will get hot again, though. The problem is, as the story stays cool, these stocks continue to leak. So, you know, you could end up buying something like one of these companies, you know, at six seventy-five, and then, you know, it goes down to 4 or $3, then it gets hot and goes to 5 I mean, the timing on these things is tough. That's why it's probably best to just stay out. There's easier money than trying to time the EV stories. The grid, man. I mean, you know, if we're, we are, you know, making this transition, I know this works against my, you know, my bearish oil thesis, but I mean, come on. I mean, how are we going to, if, you know, everyone's driving it might, you know, a buddy of mine just bought, bought one and, you know, a hybrid or whatever. I think I would look at hybrids before I would just look at all electric and, you know, oh, they didn't tell them, you know, oh, the charger they put in his house is going to be 500. Well, it's two grand. You know, I mean, it, it, it is expensive. Here, so. Here's a problem. And I, and did anybody else read that F-150 article from like three weeks ago on the, on the, on the no. lightning? Oh, Somebody the tr- tested it with the charge on towing capacity. Yeah, and they were like, this thing loses all of its charge when you're towing. I don't know if it's true or not, but the, the article had like yeah. millions of hits. I did see and they it. were talking. Remember that, Mitch? We were talking about it that day. Yeah. And I'm yeah, like, I mean, I've wanted true. the lightning for a long time. I read that and I'm like, I wouldn't buy one of them then if it can't hold the charge during towing. I mean, I'm towing stuff all the time. I got boat, you know, I got trailers. I've got stuff, you know, I'm always towing with my F-150. I'm like, 
I did not realize that the charge is not going to hold. I don't know if it's true or not, but it's going to take more research now. I was like, rah, rah, yeah, I might buy one of those Lightnings. And now that I read that article, I'm like, I don't know. So I don't know if that's true or not, but if the towing capacity, it drops. This is why why people buy them. That's why people buy them. Yeah, like saying it can't go 100 miles. When it's the, towing, the big you know, thing is heavy. too is that a lot of those are probably tested with their range and flat land, right? What if you're going through inclines? Oh, and I'm what up if you're here, going through you know, mountains, Georgian Bay. I'm up here where we got some hills. Yeah, some big hills. I, I, I sure you're gonna I, burn I, some I sure power. hope Ford Motors engineers have looked into this. I mean, come on. I, I mean, mean, this is I don't know. about Tesla know, Semi, but... right? Tesla, even with the Tesla Semi truck, what is going to happen to their batteries once they actually have, you know, they're actually what moving with around. That truck? Where is that they're, truck? They're, they're supposedly delivering some in December to Pepsi. So that's the Tesla Semi. Um, and that one supposedly has a 500 mile range. I'm wondering if they're going to be able to get 500 miles when the truck's completely full. And, right. and how is it? Joel makes a good point with a good name. Yeah. What about <laughs> when 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 you're when you're towing? Uh, you know any? You know what about the torque? Does it use more fuel too? I mean, more energy? Does it drain? Yeah. You know, does it, it drain has that to. So I didn't know. So I I did take physics in high school, and I did get an A, but that's about it on this one. But it's not even that it drains it more. That article that I was reading saying your, you know, your your capacity going from like 350 miles drops like 100 miles when you're towing something <laughs> big, like like significantly. And I'm not sure, but I'm, you know, here's, you know, I'm trying to read it. You know, F-150s range less than 160 kilometers when towing. I'm just reading from, you know, different articles here. I just Google it quickly, you know, in the news. And this is what they were talking about a month or two ago, probably here, but not not doing well when towing. So. I don't know. Like, it's one thing that you're going to use 50% more fuel, but it's quite another if your battery, you know, the length's going to drop 70 or 80%. That's a big difference. So I'm not sure, but that's something I've got to research further before just jumping in and buying a Lightning. It's okay. You just got to pull up to the, the charging station, wait 30 minutes to an hour, and then you can continue driving, Dennis. Yeah, Dennis well, that, like, that's yeah, another. I'm not doing 115 that. Go <laughs> 115 miles. Let's pull in, wait an hour, <laughs> charge again, then go another 100 miles, then wait an hour. Your five-hour trip just took you to 12 hours. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I just did an eight-hour trip, so I could just imagine if I had to have made that 12 hours because I had to stop and charge. <laughs> well, if you had a really, if you had a really long extension cord. You know, oh, then you oh, can yeah, just yeah. plug just it in, drive a little right, bit, Joel? plug it in, drive a little bit, you know, something. I don't know. I don't all know. Right, I don't, right, I'm not right. We haven't verified any of this information. It's just what we're yes, reading on the internet. Yes, Maybe it's all wrong. Maybe the towing capacity real is really good. In. But I'm saying before I jump in, it's the first question I'm going to be asking. How can this thing tow? And I want to see the proof that I'm not. I'm going to be able to get to where I'm going in a reasonable amount of time. I, I, I fill my tank up like once every two weeks, maybe once every three weeks. So uh, they're going to have to di- do a lot uh, for uh, for the EV thing. But uh, 835, who do we have uh, lurking in the background there, Money Mitch? Mm. Well, I'm going to reel us in and we'll get back to the stocks action with none other than Market Structure Mondays. Let's get into it. All right. <laughs> Where is he today? They sent you to the dungeon. Where in the what world is Tim Quas? Where Quast? in the world is Tim Quas? He's in the dungeon today. We always get these nice views, and all he's got is a boring background. You were bad. You got sent to the dungeon. Yeah, you in trouble? It, it, well, they were bound to catch up with me at some point, and it would be fitting <laughs> if it was Halloween, right? <laughs> Actually, I think you can... You can see there. So oh. I'm I'm actually in Asheville, North Carolina. Oh, you're right. I'm and looking I'm by it, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm trying to. It's there'll be some background noises. I'm in a in a lobby, and so it's a little bit noisy. But no, I'm not sitting in a jail cell yet. <laughs> <anyway>. <laughs> That's our chat. <laughs> yes. <laughs> How's it going? Good to see you. Happy Monday and happy Halloween to you. Tim gets one phone call, okay, and he's in jail. And he gives it to us. He says, "Can you call? Who do you want to call?" Um, 
cleansing of pre-market press. <laughs> our traders will get you out. Our traders will get you out, Tim. Yeah. Oh yeah. Our traders will post bail for you. We'll we'll do a uh, we'll we'll start a little fund there. Go fund me to get Yeah. Go fund me. Did Apple save the market, Tim? Did Apple save the market? And what does it have to do to continue to save the market? Because it doesn't look like it, it needs a life preserver right now as we speak. Uh, right. Well, for briefly, it was a treat rather than a trick. But, uh, it, you know, the the challenge for the market uh, is that there is a sort of, to me, uh, to continue the motif, a devil may care madness about it uh, here into the end of October. Uh, I shared with edge users the a look at the supply demand balance in, in Apple into earnings. And you could you can understand why it's up. Demand was at 10. And supply took a little pullback. And what we're talking about, traders, is um, it's the most basic economic principle and it's something you should use as a trader <clears throat> to determine what you're going to do. Uh, <clears throat> but the, the behavior of investors and traders and whether they're buying or selling can be measured. Uh, and sometimes it's durable and sometimes it's not. And the supply side is short volume. And it's very high. It's very high everywhere. It did pull back. Demand and supply separated. It happened in Apple. It's a reasonable uh, explanation for why Apple rose. But when levels are this high, it's very difficult for uh, for stocks to hold gains. So I don't think that it saved the market. And I, that's a big discussion. And I didn't hear what you guys talked about earlier today. Uh, there are folks like Mike Wilson at Morgan Stanley. Very, I think he's a very uh, wise economic prog or uh, market prognosticator, and he thinks that the S and P 500 is headed to 4150 from here because the Fed's about finished. Uh, we could talk about that, but uh, I, I I'm skeptical of that view, and it's and it's not because of belief; it's a, it's because of, of looking at the math in the market. Of course, like always, Tim, uh, we're going to look at supply and demand, but uh, of course, what everyone wants the all-knowing answer is the bottom in. Right. Right, is the bottom in? Well, I'm. You know how I love uh, pithy, pithy sayings, and and I, I will use them uh, oftentimes out of uh, sort of theological references. And there's one that uh, and and realize this is sort of literary, but uh, in the in the Gospels in the New Testament of the Bible, there's this explanation of what happened around the flood in the Old Testament. And it says they were they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day Noah entered the ark. And then the flood came and swept them all away and they had no idea it was coming. So this is I'll tell you, one of my big problems right now is this is what is prevailing everywhere, which is that uh, on roughly April 22nd of 2023, we will have a recession when everybody is certain about what is going to occur. That should be a cautionary tale. Uh, so uh, that's why I think that the bottom probably isn't in. I don't think that we've seen any of the consequences yet from the incredible increase in the supply of currency that flooded the planet. And I don't the tr the thing that would be nice to know is when when will Noah get in the ark? And who is Noah? <laughs> who, who is who is the person to look to? Uh, I, I could I could tell you one thing that I look at from a data standpoint and I'll I'll do this if I may I'll share my screen yeah so if you uh, uh, wherever you may be across the fluid fruited plane and around the globe want to do this you can go to marketstructureedge.com and uh, look at the same data this is this is the single most important thing to me we tell everybody think about what the broad sentiment is telling you then what is the context what is the, the calendar and cadence of the market? What's occurring? We should talk about that. Their futures contracts expire today. They expire every last trading day of the month, and they're used by trillions of dollars to true up uh, index portfolios, to hedge against market moves. And by the way, the S&P 500, the average stock in the S&P 500 has been averaging 3% intraday volatility spread between the highest and lowest prices for 200 solid days. I don't think that, that we've ever had that condition. Not that long. We have had a lot of volatility in the pandemic, but for the extended period, this is the, the biggest. So the first part of that, and then divergence, broad, con broad sentiment, context, divergence. We talk about those three things. Here's what I find uh, worth thinking about. This is, whoops, 
I'm going to have to reload that. What, I, what I'm going to show you is a longer view of broad market sentiment. I'm going to take us back and look at what, how does this compare to previous periods. And I'm going to expand this out to the maximum data set. There's a, there was a change in the data in about July 2017. So that's our that's our default max view. Here's what I want to point out. And it looks like, boy, it's a seismograph. How am I going to make any sense out of that? This is, this is uh, demand as an algorithm. Most of the time, it will be between four and six. That's where the market trade, right in the middle, about five and a half is a GARP market. And the more time that stocks spend around that level, the better they tend to do. This is the price of SPY. Here's our peak. Uh, this this was right, you know, really the market peaked right at the transition from December to January last year. And you could go back to November. That was an important point. And this is supply. So here's what stands out to me. If you look at the overall five-year period that this data reflects, the level of supply is extreme. It's really the highest and the most extensive over the entire data set. Well, that tends not to bode well. If demand weakens as it has the last roughly six months and supply remains very high, that is a very difficult hurdle to overcome to get back to all-time highs or to get to 4,100. I'm not saying we won't. Sure, we could. But I look at this data and it tells me that I'm going to have to continue to be very aware, aware of context and to trade short-term divergences because that will be the only thing that will give me a statistical advantage over the market. That's how I think about it. Tim lost that just Joel's on mute, so I might as well just talk because Joel can't figure out how to unmute himself. He has to wants a show, but actually he's been doing pretty good lately. Um, jump in. I mean, the rotation in this market has been nothing short of incredible, so this probably plays good to be using a product like yours, Market Structure Edge, where you can identify you know, what's got supply, what's got the, the demand going here, because there are some stocks that are fully, you know, just can't seem to catch a bit at all. And then there's other right. stocks that are just ripping higher here. And I mean, you know, maybe three, four weeks ago, we were in this market where everything was moving together. Yep. We are no longer in Kansas anymore. Everything is separating and going in different directions here. I agree. Tim, where are you looking to now? I'll tell you, it's, it's challenging, Dennis, because the, I find the same thing to be true. And internally, you know, because we're, we're data geeks, <clears throat> and I'm not alone in this. The whole, the whole team looks at, looks at data. Uh, divergences between exchange-traded funds and the underlying stocks, divergences between the futures contracts and the stocks. And here's something that we have been finding that I, I don't know that I have an, a, a, a ready explanation for. Generally, I say if something seems too good to be true, it probably is. Uh, but that the, the broad measures have not necessarily reflected what is occurring in underlying stocks. The broad measures are being carried by small pieces of the market. You know, Dexcom is a great example. Uh, it, and not, not a stock that, you know, that I've traded Dexcom and, and uh, made, made lots of short-term money trading this. I haven't traded it in a long time. But look how this stock moved. And it's a, it's a great uh, a, a, a metaphor for the market. So we had this massive move in Dexcom. I think it was the best performing stock on Friday. Uh, and demand grows, but so does supply. Supply exploded. And so that, that tells me two things, that when this happens, it is a counterpart, is market makers creating stock, which means that that will not be a durable move unless real investment shows up. There has been active investment in the market, Dennis. We can measure it. We can see price setting by stock tickers, but I again go back to my statement that it's a devil may care attitude. It's almost like the money that lost a lot yeah. uh, over the over the you know through 2022 year to date has has said, well, I'm riding this wave and I'm doing it with everything I've got. Well, that concerns me. Those things those things go back to our you know our last uh, last Monday when I said this professional poker told player told me you know people who chase straights and flushes have to borrow money to go home on buses, Greyhound buses. <clears throat> and I feel like it's that kind of market. People are chasing straights and flushes because you have a hard time finding good consistency. Look at Intel. I mean, Intel did, Intel was in our momentum portfolio ahead of results. Yeah. Uh, and so you can look at it and say, well, is that justified? Well, look at the demand, demand at 10, 
This is price, supply falling. Well, that is that is what you would expect, but it gets to your point. I mean, it's in tech. Half of what is momentum, <clears throat> pardon me at the moment, is tech and half of it is everything else still. And that is a really odd condition. I could give you, in fact, I did in the, uh, in the, the Benzinga portfolio today. I, have, I, don't, I don't like a lot of stuff. There are 53 components in my, what I call alpha portfolio, uh, but only two in this Benzinga pre-market prep portfolio because I don't really like what the data indicate. But here you have Ariston Networks, and Apache. Those are the two that have. Uh oh. I think he needs to put more money in the payphone. He's back. He's back. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's collect call, Joel. It's a collect did, call. Did the recording come on? <laughs> you just went down just for about 10 seconds there. Tim, oh, so sorry. Just about that. missed. When you're right, Rudy, okay. you're going to tell us. They gave us, you only have a couple minutes left. You know, okay. the calls is dying out. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, the guard Remember when he used to call time? At the tone, the time will be. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I was saying, Dennis, I agree with you. I don't love everything in the market that is in our momentum sorts. And there are reasonable numbers of them. But here's a great case in point. Uh, Arista Networks tech stock has great supply demand divergence, as does Apache. And you say, well, those are two opposite things. Exactly. And, and, and you're right. There's, there's, to, to me, it's like a scattered covey of quail all through the market where things are occurring. It's very difficult to find something to latch onto to say, well, this is solid. Tim, got a question here from someone in the uh, edge mob. And yeah. uh, he says he's curious why short percent equals supply. Do you have a, an answer for that? I sure do. And so that's what you're looking at here. This is, this is short volume. So it's very important to understand how the market works. That's the essence of edge. If you want to beat the market, know how it works. Short volume is the percentage of trading volume for a given stock, but we can measure it in anything, the S&P 500, an industry, a sector, a portfolio, that is borrowed daily, rather than short interest. Short interest is a 1974 measure. Are you driving a 1974 car? Uh, probably not. If you are, it's been restored. <laughs> so uh, it, it was created by the Fed. It is not a market rule. It's not a great way to understand how the stock market works. In 2010, FINRA implemented rules requiring brokers to report whether the transactions that they're handling reflect stocks that are owned by the customer or the broker or they have they been borrowed or created. And market makers, when they're engaged in making bids and offers at the same time, are exempt in many situations from having to locate shares to short. So it becomes the supply chain of the market. Short volume is the way that bids and offers are facilitated. Therefore, fluctuations in it are a very good signal of opportunity. If you have, as in this portfolio, falling demand but falling supply, the market's going to re that stock, this that stock or that portfolio is going to recover very quickly because any demand will help it. When they converge, the market tends to struggle, or a stock or a portfolio. But that's what short volume is, and why it is a supply measure. It's a very contemporary measure that reflects the rules that govern how prices are set today. Tim, quick question for you. Uh, we got a big week. We got the, you know, we got um, the mm -hmm. jobs number. We do have some significant earnings reports. Uh, turn turn yep. of the month. Does uh, does uh, Ed, does market structure Ed really care about uh, the turn of the month and tendencies in the markets on that, or is it just strictly the the supply uh, some supply and demand data? Well, we I mean, one of our favorite mantras is new month, new money. When, uh, when, when retirement plans receive inflows, there are consistent inflows from people's paychecks. We run a 401k and profit sharing plan for our uh, enterprises. And uh, there are rules. Those things have to be marked and distributed and submitted to the managers at a set cadence and they have to get deployed. Managers can't just sit there, particularly if it's model driven. And that stuff happens to come in most of the time, not all the time in the beginnings of months. And, and so we, that's why we say new month, new money tends to be a, a, a time when uh, the market will do better. But this time around, think about this. So futures contracts expiring today, let's look at broad sentiment, we're 
right now. So here's, I'm gonna zoom that in. So here's the demand side, way above the red line. The red line is a cautionary sign. It says that the market's propensity to hold on to gains and be higher a week or two out from now is statistically very difficult. Statistically, it's zero. Statistically, it's minus 5%. Uh, the, the supply side has fallen. So demand has risen and supply has fallen. That's why stocks rise, diverging supply and demand in the whole market. But we're at levels where I wonder, Joel, whether uh, the new month, new money will mean what it, it normally does this time around. Plus, there's that unusual, it's the only Fed meeting of the year that is like this, where the meeting happens on the 1st and there's a, an announcement on the 2nd. So November 1st, 2nd, Fed meeting. And we have seen the market move dramatically uh, on those uh, around those meetings. And with demand already peaked, the, the, the mathematical probability is that the market moves down. Doesn't mean it will, it could jump. I mean, it happens periodically, but those are things that make me very cautious. I'm more inclined here to wait to see what happens than I am to pour money into the market. All right. Like always, we're going to keep watching to see what happens in the market today. I think uh, I'm in the same camp as you, Tim. The question will be, when will we see a turnaround and if it comes right right now, it seems like the rally has a little bit of legs, but the big boys did report towards the downside. So we're going to have to wait and see, but appreciate you like always. And I do want to let the chat know, go ahead and get your free 14 day trial of course, to all this data that you guys see here. And you guys could also have the market structure edge. Appreciate you like always, Tim. Have a great day and enjoy Asheville. Back at you. Join we, we're, headed, we're headed to Charleston. We're headed to Charleston. Today. One of my favorite towns. Is that nice. Nice. Great be food, there. great dancing, great people. Chow down. Indeed. Okay, I'll see you from there next Monday. Go to the we'll Ghost, Ghost Graveyard. Ghost Graveyard. Okay. We'll do that. I'll, maybe today on Halloween. Good to see you guys. Thanks very much. Have time. a good one, Tim. Take care. Happy Halloween. Thank Have you. You too. Don't get booed in this market, you know. <laughs> Let's go ahead. Let's take a look out in the market. How are we doing right now, Joe? How are we handling uh, it's It's been a, you know, there's just sellers out there. Uh, you know, not, not waves of sellers. We're down 23 handles. We're starting out in the red. The problem with a day like today is that, you know, where's sport? I mean, the way we ripped up yesterday. So um, my first downside target, if they could keep this going, is about 20 handles lower. Uh, and right now, the way, you know, just the way we had that strong close and then that ridiculous after hours popped now, I don't have anything at 3,900. But I think a lot of people might be, you know, wow, we went from 3,500 to 3,900. We still really haven't got any great information. So, and that's also mid-range on the session. So I'm looking looking at the edges, 3,870 and then 3,900. Uh, Triple D, what are you seeing anything out there? Anything of note and balances or just kind of bids and offers? Oh, he's on mute. Look at that. Get him. Get him, Joel. Get him. Hit oh, him yeah. Hard. That... Hit yeah. him hard. Yeah. Just... Hit me. Hit me. <laughs> okay. Me. I just made fun of you for it, and I literally just <laughs> Well, you know what also thing. the problem is, is what people don't understand is like when we're doing an interview, I know when <laughs> Mitch mute, is coming unmute, in. We mute. I, I know. I know when Mitch is coming in, okay? So when someone stops... And I, I can tell by your, like if you're Coming getting out. ready to go or if you're like if you're going like this, then I know you're trading, and, and I know you're not going to ask switching. something. But if you're looking, you look intense, then I know you're going to say something. I was on mute. That was that was my bad. But uh, we got to enjoy it. We got to enjoy it. <laughs> that's how we have fun on pre market prep, man. The one Maybe. thing you tend to notice, and everybody's talking about in social media, is GameStop's having a day. I don't know if there's news on it, but it's oh, up ten percent. The GameStop. Yeah. So we we just poo pooed short squeeze. It's a GameStop. You know, they have their moments, <laughs> and GameStop is having another moment that's why. here. So we be careful it. on those high short interest stocks. We know how this works. So just, I'm just oh, saying, oh, oh. GameStop's moving. So just caution on those high and short interest stocks. It's the triple B-Y. Not caution, but if you're short those <laughs> things, caution. 
That's all. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna be watching at least. We'll be watching to see if any of these really get moved. That's in. bad for the market. We know that, right? That, that it seems overall. like it seems like the market has a left, doesn't it? Seem like that, Joel. The market gets going, and then all of a sudden, you know, <laughs> they jump into these, you know, short squeeze names, and that's the top, <laughs> and it just collapses. It's, it's like that's like rocket size. You get the three, four, five, six, maybe ten day rally, and then the, and then the, the, the and they rally the trash. The trash, they rally the, dash, the, trash. the trash happens, and then that, and then it just turns around. They start going down. <laughs> well, hey, we'll have to be watching out for notable reports this week, right? I mean, you got Uber, Pfizer, AMD. What do you guys think about these reporting today? Oh, reporting this week. Yeah, there's a lot of companies. So it's not the big names this week, but there's a lot of, you know, mid-tier tech companies. And, and Mitch, can you show the calendar? You probably of have course. been seeing a pro you calendar. Got it. Coming AMD. up right now. So, so I can headline. I wrote down the top, like, 15 names that I'm looking at this week. Tonight, there's not much, as NXPI is probably the biggest name reporting tonight. But tomorrow, we're going to get AMD, Airbnb. We're going to hear from Pfizer. We're going to hear from Uber. Wednesday, we're from Qualcomm. Roku's always interesting. CVS. Thursday's a big day. We're going to Square, PayPal, and Coinbase, and Twilio, and Team, and uh, Starbucks is reporting. Peloton, if you like Peloton. <laughs> I knew it. We've got to throw it Peloton, in there. You know? Friday's DraftKings. Fubo. Bitch, Fubo. That was your stock Fubo. We yeah. all did Fubo. Fubo was awesome for a while, but not I, so much. I tried to warn people, too. I saw them raising their prices, and I was like, yeah, that's not going to work out for them. <laughs> yeah. And definitely so. uh, DraftKings also on Friday. We'll see how the, the gambling stocks are performing uh, see if they can get a lift. It's it's a fun week still. You know, these are kind of more the stocks that I like to trade. So, um, you know, bigger caps are fun also. But we'll see what happens this week with these earning stocks. Any of these stocks on your radar, Joel? No, I'm just looking I would, uh, at all the different ones. If we uh, – what do we got um... – we got Arista Networks after the close. Let's take a look at that. That that that's not the one that did the spot split. That was uh that was PANW. I don't know. That's a tough looking chart. I'd I'd be more inclined to wait for a gap fill in this one. I don't know why it jumped up uh the other day, but um I'd be you know, support down at one twelve and I'm sure people would be looking to trim it. We closed right at yesterday's high, one twenty one seventy five. But now None of these are, are really uh, – I just wanted uh, – people are asking about uh, Intel, uh, something we're both owning. Did have a good day no. um, on Friday getting Looking some follow Looking at my shop through. to get my money back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got a ways to go before I get my like, money back. Like the true bag holder I am. <laughs> like, ooh, coming back to that 32 area. Where I, I just want to get break in. even. Yeah, break even. Let it go down. Break and then, even. Uh, it's it's so got exciting. a little bid today. It's got a little bid today. Uh, I'm really not much. We're at 29.32. I don't think there was much in the 29 handle. Actually, I mentioned this level um, on Friday, a couple highs at 29.60, 29.70. So take a look at that. The AMD looks sleepy. Now they've already lowered the bar, right? AMD. Yeah. Uh, they came no, they out. Already, well, yeah, they they're reporting Tuesday, but you're right. They already kind of pre-announced. Yeah. So you're right. Like we kind of know it's not going to be great. Hopefully the market remembers that. <laughs> like, oh, but I, I mean, so now they lowered their own bar. So what's that mean for you? That means that they got a chance going up if they beat the lower bar. Keep an eye on 6250. That splits the highs from uh, Thursday and Friday. But uh, all right. Well, good to be back here in uh, in the home office. I hope you guys enjoyed the show from uh, Ann Arbor on Friday. Some great kids, some smart kids. Got some good information out of them. And uh, I'm going to head out of here. Uh, Triple D, good luck out there. Mitch, I'll check in with you later on. Appreciate you like always, Joel. We'll see you a little bit later on at the close. And of course, if you guys want to keep up with everything that Joel does, he goes to Premarket Prep Plus. Check that out, premarketprep.com. So you guys can join Joel doing some more ticker time. Dennis, you ready for the week? We ready? We're trying, man. Halloween tonight. That's what's happening tonight. Kids are pumped. Gonna be yeah. trick or treating there. You going trick That's, or treating, money, Mitch? Uh, I didn't go for the costumes this year. Too no. much inflation price. No costumes man. for me either. I mean, we didn't even get dressed up today. We kind of <laughs> did. You see the, the cost of candy? Has it gone up? Oh man! Just put it this way: these poor kids—they're—they're they're getting they're one get, candy. 
They're not getting two, three. Now you're getting one. Yeah, now you're you getting get one. You one little smarty box that has three smarties in it. That's what you're getting. Yeah, because yeah. the shrinkflation in those smarty boxes, I was like eating one of those. The kids got them there, and I'm like, there's like four smarties in this. These little smarty boxes for me and Money Mitch were, well, when I was a kid, my, Money Mitch younger than me. When I was a kid, I had like 20 in there. When Money Mitch was in there, I probably had 15 in there. Now they got like three in there. It's ridiculous, the shrinkflation. I, I used to be the kid looking for the bowls, right? The people that just put out the bowls because, you know. And you just scoop that it all was up, gonna eh? be You're mine. like that, like, come to Papa. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even have to go houses anymore. I got the bowl. There That's ain't going to be no bowls this year, kids. I'm sorry. There's yeah, no bowls out crowd. this year. Yep. it's gonna be tough we'll see what happens halloween hope you guys have a safe one and of course i hope the kids get to have some fun and hopefully some people actually have candy because you might see some houses turn off their lights early today as they're like um can't, no afford, candy. It. can't afford to give up <laughs> no candy i'm sorry I, I, <laughs> no candy here yeah. we'll see what happens have a good one dennis okay, enjoy your trading so action all right, we'll get you guys over now to our Benzinga live stream. This includes multiple shows. We're trying to do something more often where you guys can just sit in one stream and hang out with us, right, all day. We're going to do some live trading action. Then we'll get into some futures action, of course, with Ninja Trader. Then we'll have AB with Benzinga Live, followed by Stock Market Movers. We got four great shows in one stream for you. Come over to that stream. That's coming up next, starting at 9.05. We'll see you there. Like always, hit the thumbs up. If you guys enjoyed pre-market prep and all the action this morning, we'll keep building for you guys, and you guys do us a favor. Just hit that thumbs up and the subscribe button down below to let us know that you guys appreciate our content. See you next time, and hit the like on the way out. Let's go, let's go. Let's see what we got today. I'm excited. Let's get this market started. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.